Hey there, thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We're on the Blog Talk Radio Network, live from Washington, D.C. I'm Burke Allen, and the program is service of our pals at Speaker Match. Speakermatch.com is the world's largest virtual speakers platform. This is where meeting planners get together with speakers, and it's like an online marketplace for those two sides to come together. With most conferences going virtual now, you can find out how that works exactly as well by logging on to speakermatch.com and thank them uh, very much for making the program possible. Well, today we're going to talk to uh, a lady about a disturbing topic, but there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Author C. Becker is a former medical technologist and educator. She's an author of a whole bunch of books, including her latest one. It's called Finding Euphoria. Uh, C. Becker joins us on the Big Time Talker podcast. First of all, I have to ask you where you got the idea to do this book. Well, thanks for having me, Burke. Um, and thank you for having me on the Big Time Talker podcast. I'm excited. Sure. Um, I got the idea for writing this book after I, I wrote my first children's story. And I wanted to do a novel. And people always say, write what you know about. And my whole background is in the sciences with testing clinical specimens in the laboratory. And I thought, what bigger problem that we have in America right now than the drug problem? And so the book just sort of stems from that idea. I hope it's okay if I share this with folks, but you live in West Virginia, and you're in a, count, uh, in a county where this is just through the roof, over the top. You've got kids back there, teenagers, who are, you know have opioid addictions. Uh, meth is a serious issue. Uh, I read once that uh, that even bath salts, somehow they were cooking up and snorting bath salts. It's just a, a serious problem where you are. So that's all around you. And as an educator who teaches kids, you know, where does this all start? Does it come from the parents originally? Is it their friends? You know, why is it so pervasive in Appalachia? You know, I don't know that, Burke. I used to live in Virginia, and we moved here in 2008, and you are right. Um, with the bath salts, at one point it was joked that West Virginia was the bath salt capital of the world. Um, but I looked that up, and that's not really true. But we did have a lot of bath salt overdoses and uses from that. And, you know, in 2014, the CDC has us reported as the highest overdose rate in the whole entire country. So West Virginia is a, a big area, and all of the, you know, the teenagers in that area – there's a good percentage of them that are using drugs or have used drugs. And I don't know if there is ever one particular answer as to what's causing it. You know, most people think teens get it because it's peer pressure. And that's what I had put in my original um, thriller novel, that Finding Euphoria, that I had the boy just use the drug just because he was going with the flow. But I don't really necessarily think that that's the only reason that, that drug use is up. Because I think a lot of the, the drugs, and everyone's different why they use it, but a lot of the overlooked reasons is the loneliness that people feel. Mm. You know, if, if they feel that no one's around that understands them, they may be in a, a, a household with their family that their parents are not together anymore, or maybe they're living with their grandparents or, or a guardian, or even if they have a parent that's already on drugs or, you know, using them, that they're exposed to it at such an early age. These, you know, young boys and girls, they're exposed to so much of this and they're using it and it's scary. 
C. Becker is our guest today. Her new book is called Finding Euphoria. It's from the Wild Rose Press, and it it deals with this drug epidemic that's sweeping America, especially among teens and 20-somethings. And uh, you actually spent some time working in a clinical lab testing drugs. And I wonder if if you learned anything while you were doing that 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 might be helpful to folks that maybe don't have that scientific background. Well, definitely. Um, when I went to school for it, and there was a whole class, and it was called special chemistry because it wasn't your standard glucose and cholesterol and triglycerides. It's it's a whole branch of chemistry in the laboratory sciences that that are designated for testing um, special type of chemistry problems and the drug use. There's the therapeutic, and then there's the abuse of drug testing. Um, yeah, and I learned a lot that a lot of people don't know. Um, that normally wouldn't be exposed to that. And so that's helped me even, you know, when I buy medicine f- for my own children now. And I'm telling them all the time, you know, you have Dayquil that says acetaminophen, don't buy acetaminophen. And most people know that now. But I'll tell you, as a, as a young mother and you're, and you're trying to buy these medicines, I feel for some of these people that there's so much medicine out there. Right. And no wonder some of them are giving their kids too much cold medicine or, you know, they're giving them all this over-the-counter cold medicine. And that builds up in the system. And that can cause kids to have issues. And then, what do you know, years down the road, they say, oh, that medicine's bad for you now. Um, I remember giving my little two-year-old cold medicine when he was sick one time. And he was at one point like having you know, delirious. And he was just like, don't come to me. And we didn't know what it was. And and then he started a rash on his skin. And I said, I think he's building up too much cold medicine. And this was 20 years ago. And and now it's come up that certain cold medicines, you you now have to go and prove that you're over 18 years old to buy the medicine. So yeah, definitely working in a laboratory has helped me understand a little bit more of how this medicine works and, and the modes of action for it. C. Becker is our guest. She's the author of the new book, Finding Euphoria, from the Wild Rose Press. And it's a thriller. It's a fictional book, but it's set in the very real world of the drug epidemic that's sweeping the nation. We talked about Appalachia. This is a problem all over the country, and it doesn't discriminate. It's a big city, small town problem. It's a black problem. It's a a white problem. It's an everybody problem. And it seems to cut across all socioeconomic classes. And it's not getting any better. And, And you said something earlier that I wanted to circle back to, and that is that that as you researched the book, you thought that a, an awful lot of young people first begin using because of loneliness. And I wonder, as we are all coming out of this pandemic shutdown, uh, nearly three months uh, behind doors, if, if that has really picked the scab on that wound there, what are you seeing in and around you there in Appalachia in that regard? Do you think that it's worse now than before because of these shutdowns? Um, well, I think most people have been kept inside, so it's probably not as exposed yet as what we may think. Um, I have heard over in the United Kingdom, they said that, that their rate of rehab um, admissions has decreased, probably because everybody's cooped up in the house. Right. But um, definitely with the loneliness, I think we're going to see a lot of issues come from COVID because of the drug addiction Um, there's a lot of kids, one, it's not coming into the country. You know, they've closed the borders as much as they can. And of course, you're still going to sneak it in at some point, but there is definitely a decrease amount coming in. What do you do if you find out your kid is addicted to drugs? 
um, or an older brother or sister that that child might have. And then you're going to see a lot more of the, of the maybe abuse or emotional outbursts and problems. And some of these parents maybe not even know that their child has been using drugs. So I, I think that it's a wake-up call for the parents. And if they are seeing that their child's not acting normally, or, you know, maybe it's just because they're cooped up too. I mean, you have kids bouncing off the walls, you know, for different reasons. Right. But that's something to be, you know, aware of, definitely. And this is a time whenever we all need to be communicating, you know, if you have a brother or sister and or the kids have aunts and uncles or grandparents or somebody that maybe has a history of depression or could even be depressed during this time. This is the time to reach out and just say, hey, we're thinking of you. We may not be able to be around you, but somebody cares about you. Because I think a lot of this stems from loneliness. You know, when kids start drinking or they use drugs, they're just, they're not happy. Or, you know. Well, certainly isolation can lead to a lot of self-esteem issues for people of all ages. And, you know, the drug epidemic is, is just part of that. Uh, as someone who's, you know, an author, you've got this medical technology background, but you also uh, have taught in the school system. As, as a teacher, what are the tells that, that you see and, and other teachers, you know, pick up on of kids that, that either have an addiction issue themselves or are dealing with parents who have an addiction? How, how do you know without coming out and asking that question? Um, well, that's, that's a good question. It's, it's hard for some once in a while, you might have a student that tells you that his parents are in jail for drugs and they'll just come right out and say something like that. And it's, it's sad because you weren't even aware of it. Right. You know, sometimes that happens and other times the kids will come to school and, you know, you check their eyes. I mean, certain things I've seen, of course, I'm a lot older now. And I think some of these younger teachers that are coming out and they're 22, 23 years old, I don't know if, if they can pick it up because they haven't had that experience yet. Or maybe they're teaching that now in school. Um, but you sort of see how the kids are acting. If they're not doing their homework and they're defiant and they just have that attitude, I don't care. And it's because they're not doing their work or they're sleeping during the day. There's a reason why they're sleeping during the day. You know, when their head's down and they're literally sleeping, it's probably not that you're boring them. There are issues in the home life. And I'm not saying everybody has issues with the drugs. I mean, I sure hope not. Um, there's, But there's a good many kids that come to school. And I've subbed in the high schools, middle schools, and elementary schools. And I've seen it. And sometimes these kids, you just don't want to go near them. And they've had hard lives. Or they're sleeping because they had nowhere to sleep during the night mm. because their dad kicked them out of the house or whatever. And maybe their parents on drugs. But there's definitely home life problems, and I think we're starting to see more and more of that, which is a concern for all the teachers. And we don't want these kids to feel isolated. And during the pandemic for the past three months when the kids were, you know, online schooling, I heard so many stories about the parents who, or the teachers who just wanted to go and make sure those kids were okay and to let them know that they're thinking of them. And, and the teachers would get together, and one of the schools in Harrison County, they put a big, I guess, um, that sign your yardage, you know, how people buy those little signs and put all over the school sure. just to let the kids know that they were thinking of them. And we don't want the kids to think that they're isolated. And if they're not using drugs, we don't want them to go into that isolation and loneliness and start trying that. So it's the loneliness is a big thing, that isolation. And that's a hard thing to stop with this COVID. 
Yeah, it's uh, so much worse now after the pandemic. The book is Finding Euphoria. It is a uh, romantic thriller, but it's based around this drug epidemic that's sweeping America. The author is C. Becker. You can find her online at cbeckerauthor.com. The book, of course, available at amazon.com, Barnes Noble, wherever you you get books. Well, let, let's talk a little bit uh, about the light at the end of the tunnel and what can be done and and how you, you see families and teens and 20-somethings come through the other side on this because there, there are some success stories out there, and I wonder if you could share a couple of those with us. All right. I think the light at the end of the tunnel, I mean, there are some positives that are going to come out of this pandemic. One, I believe that there's going to be some parents who, who have children that maybe are addicted to drugs or using drugs that are going to notice it, and it's going to be a wake-up call for them. Another point, I think, is that this is the best time in the world. If you're going to go get help for your child or even for yourself, um, most people are either teleworking. There's no school going on right now. You're able to be at home. Some people are off of the job, and which is horrible anyway if you're losing your job. But this is the time if you're going to go get help for uh, you know a couple weeks in a rehab place, this is the place to go. This is the time. There's never been a greater time for that. I do think there's going to be positives where parents and other people are going to start reaching out to the kids to let them know there, there is someone that cares and loves, loves them and cares about them. And maybe they'll offer that kid a little bit more comfort and then maybe they'll open up lines of communication. And I think we really need that with our teens in today's world. I mean, teens are notorious. They do something, they don't communicate with their parents. Right. But this is a good time. Everyone's home together 24-7. Everyone smells like dirty laundry at this point. <laughs> but we are all, we're, you know, the parents love their kids. I mean, you don't have any parent who doesn't love their child. So it's a time to, to use that time wisely and try to communicate with their child that there's other options. Hey, what about this phenomenon and, that I've read about, uh, especially in, in Appalachia, where these small-town pharmacies just prescribe millions and millions of of pills out into the community is that still an issue there and if so you know what can be done about that to to curb that huge influx of these drugs into those small towns um that was a problem up through at least a few years ago because it was always in the newspapers that there'd be some pharmacies that were closing because somebody was writing the prescriptions out and they shouldn't have been um, I, I luckily didn't have a lot of prescriptions at the time. And like I said, I've only been here in West Virginia about 12 years, but there was a few, at least in our County that had issues with that. But I think there's been a lot more regulations on that now to stop it. And I would have to say it's probably been at least three or four years that's, that I've heard that going on anymore. I think the awareness has greatly increased this, you know, the stopping of all of this, pharmacy writing things out that that people shouldn't be getting that medicine and when that happened um did that lead to the the rise of of heroin and meth and these street drugs these as you said and i I just can't wrap my head around bath salts that they're cooking up bath salts is that what led to those street drugs making a comeback when the the clamps came down on the pharmacies yeah i don't know if it was one or the other that led it first because I think a lot of this prescription medicine 
um, that people were on that you just write a prescription. And then once they weren't able to get it anymore, then that might have caused them to reach out to the bath salts. Because the bath salts were really big probably around 2009 to 2012. And then after that, it was more of the opioids, and now it's meth. Over the past few years, it's been meth. So, you know, I think with the prescriptions, them not being able to be written as easily from doctors because there's more regulations or people are more careful about it, I think that could just, once they're addicted to something, then they want to try something stronger. And if they can't get that prescription medicine, that's my thinking. And again, everyone's different on how they're going to be finding that medicine. I don't even know how they go onto these streets, but apparently in the evenings you can go out and, and get drugs, which is so scary. I mean, to think that you're, you send your kid out to school or to walk down the block in the, in the cities and they're all over the place. Like, how do we, how do we protect our kids when it's that rampant? Yeah. Sometimes there are that, more questions than answers. Scary. You're right. You're right. Right. It's more, it's more questions. And the book that I wrote on finding euphoria it's, I actually created a made up drug. I was going to use a real one that you got from a spice. And someone said, what are you going to do when all these kids start using that drug and dying? Right. And I didn't want to be responsible for that. So I created one from an Amazon rainforest plant that's now extinct or quote, you think it is because on book two, it comes back. Um, but it just shows that these new drugs pop out of anywhere. And if they unleash onto the country, it spreads around like wildfire and nobody even knows what's in these drugs. And then they use them and then everybody dies. C. And Becker is so the, our guest and, and she brought her background as a medical technologist and a uh, teacher and educator in public schools to write this book, uh, Finding Euphoria. It is uh, a fiction novel. It's a thriller, uh, but it's based on a lot of what she sees and knows. And it's available, by the way, from the Wild Rose Press at cbeckerauthor.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, before we run out of time, tell me a little bit about the book and, and sort of the premise of the book. We know that it has to do with, with this drug epidemic, but, but tell me the story behind Finding Euphoria. Sure. Yeah, the, the premise is about a woman who has a secret background, so it becomes a thriller because she's hiding it from her husband and her family, and really she has a baby that she puts up for adoption. And then 17 years later, that boy that she put up for adoption has used some drugs and now he's in a hospital in a coma and the adoptive father, which is her former agent that she used to work with in a government agency has come back asking her to help find the name of the drug so that they can help save his life. So she's brought back into the life of government work and being a secret agent, trying to track down the drug dealer and the drug before her family finds out about it. And of course, being a, a novel, and you're supposed to have a lot of um, intriguing and compelling plots. The husband does find out after she's kidnapped by the drug lord. Um, Did you so, take a lot of the characters uh, away from real people and real experiences, people that were in in your area, people you saw on the news? How did you translate it from, uh, you know, sort of what's around you into this fictional novel? No, actually, uh, it, for that part of it, most of it was just made up. I you know, took it from a woman that I really, I just made her up that she just had a terrible, terrible home life, which could have been in today's world. But the, the boy that she had in his home life, it, it really could be any city in the United States, you know, how he's out there with his friends and he's using drugs and now he's on his deathbed. 
and everybody's trying to save his life and everybody else who used the drug other than him already died. So it, it just really brings opens a parent's eyes that when their kids are out there with their friends and they're doing drugs, it doesn't always have a happy ending. And in this book, Euphoria is the name of the drug because everybody wants it. But it's also about the woman who's trying to deal with her own loneliness from putting up her own son up for adoption. After all these years, she's got to come to terms with what she did. The book sounds harrowing and exciting all at the same time. And, and I think it's, uh, it's great that you're shining a spotlight on this issue and hopefully some good will come from it. Thank you for spending time with us today. Hey, thank you, Burke, and thanks to all your listeners. I had a great time today. You bet. The book, again, is Finding Euphoria. Euphoria is the name of this fictional drug, uh, but it's based on the real-world drug epidemic that's sweeping America, especially small-town America. The author is C. Becker, the letter C. Becker. Find her at cbeckerauthor.com online and look for Finding Euphoria wherever great books are sold. That's it for today's Big Time Talker podcast brought to you by SpeakerMatch.com. I'm Burke Allen. Thanks for listening. Go out and make it a great day.